Welcome to the Warrior Goddess Revolution, a podcast dedicated to helping you get free, free of shame, free of fear, free of limitations, and free to become the woman you are meant to be. Let the inner revolution begin. Here's your host, Heather Ash Amara. Hey everyone, we are doing a double session magic thing together, (laughs) Marita and I. (laughs) So we had two (laughs) separate podcasts scheduled of me being on their podcast and on them being on Warrior Goddess Revolution podcast, and I couldn't make it. And so we have smushed them together into a session of delight, I am sure. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Marita, for taking the time. I know that you have so much going on on your farm in Hawaii and looking forward to our conversation and just jumping in and seeing what unfolds as we share from the heart. Yes, I'm super excited to be here to talk story, to connect, and to be in the cycle of creation. Absolutely. Creation, destruction, birthing, releasing. So I'd love to hear your creation story, your personal (laughs) birthing from the depths. Yeah. I love it because that's the first question that I ask on my podcast and the really the only one. You know, I, I love this question because every time that you tell it, it's different. And so I think it shows us all how creation stories change and grow and then allow you and reflect back to you your change and growth. Where I am now, I like to go backwards. So where I am now. <laughs> is I find myself these days, I'm probably going to get really emotional um, on this farm, living the life that at some point I was too afraid to dream of. And um, if I really connect back to, you know, the three-year-old growing corn in a field and being so excited, you know, it was it was there. But for a long time, it got pushed down and distracted by other things. You know, um, I'm an immigrant to this country. I wasn't born in this country. So that brings with it a lot of having to fit in, you know, so cultural shock that I actually still am in continuously every day. Which is interesting because you think that if you've lived in a place or in a country or or with people, that there should be less differences. And I think they're actually greater and greater as I continue to live and express truly who I am. If I start a creation story in the womb, my death experience happened there. Um, physical. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be born and get past a certain term. And the, you know, the good thing is my parents and my mother is good at negotiating. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm Jewish and indigenous. So there you go. Good negotiators. And uh, it was put to them, you know, this child will either die now in the womb or uh, will be saved. And the price for it is to dedicate this child 
to the service of creator. And so ever since I was born, I think my parents felt that pressure of what did that mean? And would I be taken away? And how would I be taken away? And did their best to uh, create an environment uh, that included, um, I mean, I, I literally went to a university uh, since I was young and a university of knowledge of multiple traditions, multiple people, multiple languages. So I got exposed to the global world, uh, philosophically, right. Scientifically, uh, shamanically, um, religiously at a very young age. And so even though I spent time growing up in parts of Michigan, I'm not that meat and potatoes, Michigan. I have no concept of what that is. <laughs> you know, I really don't. I mean, I was, you know, my best friends were Greek, Sudanese, you know, people from all faiths and religions, you know, you had to, you know, the adults, you had to speak five languages to play Scrabble. I mean, and it was the brain drain of countries, right? It was countries that, you know, uh, were experiencing, you know, the Sandinista movement, you know, Chile, Pinochet, all of those. So uh, displacement was a big part of my culture growing up. And uh, through that, you find ways to... I don't know, be present, live, hide all at the same time. But where I am now in my path as I've gone back and return, I'm currently under the guidance of a few um, indigenous elders who I'm how I'm studying with, because we're getting to that point, unfortunately, that um, a lot of that wisdom is being lost. A lot of the elders are dying and because I have such rigorous training from so young, it's easier to teach me to a certain degree um, because I know the culture, because I grew up in it and I grew up uh, never, you know, my father always like we played games, like when it came to like questions, like it was, there was never a solution, like a permanent solution. So I think my flexibility of imagination adapts really well to learn. And anytime that I learn though, that an elder approaches me or we approach each other, they ask me to begin again. So my creation story begins every time, every day, every moment that I have to return you know, this past year, I literally here, I mean, it's, what is it where it's April, but I think over the past six or eight months, I've, or even maybe nine, let's just do gestation period, you know, just for fun. I feel like I've literally every day been going through all of my life, like moments and moments of my life. I do, I've been trained in a warrior way. And one of the check-ins that we do is, you know, if you died at this moment, if you died today, what have you left undone? And literally like, trying to tie up loose ends and go to those places of still of like, I'm unresolved and I'm, unre I'm resolved to be unresolved, but could I maybe move it a little bit more? So I feel that my creation story is, is also involves relearning, relearning how to communicate and how to communicate these, um, the cultures that I was taught in and how to communicate them in a way that Western culture 
can be okay with not understanding. And that's hard. That's hard, you know? Um, so yeah, I think so. That's a good one for now. It's a really good one. Love it. <laughs> How yeah. about your creation story? Oh, <laughs> ever changing for sure. Yeah. But I, I noticed something really interesting recently, or I, I learned that I grew up in Southeast Asia. So we traveled all over the mm. world as a kid. My parents were American, but we were raised like as wild animals in a way, in a good way. And just connected to many, many different cultures, no specific religion. Um really like there's just a lot of freedom in my family of my sister and I to go run off and play and and be just explore and learn on our own and I had some really significant I'd say part of the creation story started in India when we went there when I was seven years old and for whatever reason that year was such a huge nexus in my life where I decided I wanted to be a writer super clear. Like I'm going to be a writer when I grow up and I'm going to write books. I'm going to start right now. In fact. And I remember starting my first book mm -hmm. and getting partway through and realizing, I don't think I've had enough experience yet. And so putting it down and going out and playing. And later that year we went to India and my parents brought us to the Ganges. So we went to um, Benares and the to see the burning of the gods and to see the the reverence and the love and the the beauty and just I remember feeling really the holiness of all of it mm -hmm. not the horror which you might think a little kid would feel but just the holiness of like this is right this is how this is part of all of it uh, and then they brought us to the Kali Ghat which now I'm like you brought kids to the Kali Ghat because it's it's the most, probably one of the most intense places in India because dedicated to Kali, there's sacrifices happening. And I feel like at that moment, something like, I feel like Kali at that moment was like, okay, you come on. And there was a way that I, I don't know how to, put this into words because I feel it in my body so much now that it began my relationship with the dark and my love of the dark and mm -hmm. of the underworld and mm -hmm. that there was very little fear around that there was just this like yes this is part of my time is to go places where most people don't want to go yeah. It's interesting. I talked to a, a friend of mine who is a Hindi and she said, your parents were so smart. They took you in the right order. Like you go to the Ghats first and then you go to Kali. And I was like, yeah. yeah. So that, I feel like that's a big piece of my creation story now. And so much of, you know, it's interesting because like I got known for one book. And so this is part of what happens as, as an author is that, People are like, that's who you are. And there's so much more that I'm like continuing to unearth. And so I'm really looking at scholarship around darkness and, and how to bring that, the beauty of the mystery 
and how we need it at these times more than ever as we navigate so much on the planet. Mm -hmm. So that is what I feel like I'm wrestling with right now mm -hmm. is the balance of, you know, wanting to just go off into a dark cave for the next six months and just see what's there with paying my staff who I love <laughs> and <laughs> how to create that dance. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, hi, this is, uh, this hi, is wonder. Hi. <laughs> this is her room. She lets me borrow it once in a while. Nice. Very generous of her. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, she is actually speaking of, you know, the dark was, uh, is, is the, she came back, she was a different cat and she wouldn't, she was very old. Her name, uh, was General Leia and, um, you know, one of those countdowns of like, you know, this cat is going to be put to, I was like, I can't, I, I can't, you know, I can't stand and then we brought her here to California, from California to Hawaii. And she just, of course, she was like 18 years old, sicker, you know, and then she just wouldn't, she didn't want to leave because she just experienced, was experiencing love again. So I told her, I promised her without talking to my wife, of course, which was a minute of an issue. And I was like, you can come back and we will love you since you're young and you can spend a whole life with us. So my wife was like, well, how about six months? I'm like, you can say that, but it was like three. So <laughs> cats are fast. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I love this conversation of the dark because, you know, there's, I've been sitting with a lot of that lately too. You know, I've been teaching this class and, you know, we, imagining having people imagine you know soil because whenever you do like a, a meditation with trees they just go to the top or they stand in the middle and no one really knows what soil looks like or how how many things are happening microscopic worlds right and so um from that perspective, and I also, uh, from my Hopi teacher, from the grandmothers, just received a new name to add on to my one who catches lightning. And the story is of um, Wasa, Wasa and Masa, who are uh, the masculine and feminine forms of life and death. And Wasa is the keeper um, and the one who raised the children in the first, second, and third, fourth world, right? And he has this stone this uh, lightning stone, thunderstone, that that's what he uses to call them back. And the grandmothers gave me the name keeper of the thunderstorm. I was like, what does this name mean? And I'm starting to understand it a little bit more, you know? And, uh, and here we are witnessing, witnessing uh, the end. Really, we're in the death cycle of things. And I think we're going to see one pretty soon in six months again of just great, great change. So how do you, how do you um, balance in your beingness, being so comfortable when so many people are afraid of the underworld and death and the, you know, verboten, you know, things like that. I think part of it is that I just, I love all the cycles. I love the birthing and the, the dying and that 
I feel comfortable in all those realms mm-hmm. and really comfortable with nature. Like I don't perceive nature as this thing that's out to get you, which so many Westerners do. And I was yeah. blessed. I was not raised in the United States. I yeah. did not live mm-hmm. in the same house and go to the school with the same people. And I think that makes it really difficult to break out of your belief system. Yeah. It's a lot more fixed. Yeah. Um, and so like you and I that are kind of in the in-between realms in a way of tr- lots of travel and lots of global, you know, lots of influences and recognizing yeah. how huge the world is. There's a way that that, you know, spending so much time lost in foreign countries and not speaking the language and, and watching people do things that made no sense to me, but I could feel in my body, like there's that that continual breaking down of the belief system mm-hmm. that then I went, you know, that I went towards when I started studying with Don Miguel, that that then became very conscious to do that. You know, of course I still get afraid. Of course I still worry about what's coming. And there's also, remember when I was reading Clark's books, part of how we're connected is through Perdita and mm-hmm. Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was mm-hmm. describing in great detail, like all the lights going off. My whole body was like, Wow. <laughs> Real darkness. Mm. I think it's partially too just getting familiar, like having had experiences where I lived by myself in the middle of nowhere and mm. and really learning how to be in the dark and feel the love and the beauty and the the holding that's there. And I think a lot of, a lot of people don't get to experience that. So my prayer is that whatever happens, that I can continue to hold steadiness to help people find that inside of themselves, because that's really all we can do. Be the medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Be the medicine. yeah. And how about for you? I mean, I love, I just, the feeling sense of like, one who catches lightning and one who call, uses the thunder to call in. Like there's this <laughs> big elemental forces that move yeah. through you. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I remember, um, well, what was your question? What you were just asking about the. Of, of how do you hold the, all of it? Because you, you hold a lot. I can feel the amount of like stretch that's in your being yeah. that you're comfortable with. Well, you know, as I pick up a lot of chicken shit and, you know, cat and dog (laughs) and sheep and goat and mixed manure and, you know, that's how I handle it. (laughs) It's just, it's what grounds me, you know, and as I walk the land and, and uh, I am reminded, I I do not create it, you know, I, and, but I'm in the pressure system. I'm able to be in the pressure system. I'm able to be in those situations, right? So it's uh, it's really interesting because, you know, I take these conversations to the land and I have these conversations with Pele, you know, and the beings here on this island as I get to know more and more or re- remember, you know, from lifetimes. And it's just so interesting to have conversations with the elementals. They just look at life in such a different way, you know, uh, you know, they don't think humans are the most intelligent form, you know, of creation. You know, they really are like, I mean, try being a mountain. That's interesting. 
you know, <laughs> that's really interesting, <laughs> you know, because you're around for so long because you're created in, 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 in slowness. And I think, you know, when those conversations come up, humans get really like, oh, but they have no will or they don't have sovereignty, which they do, or they can't act, you know, the whole like grow where you're planted freaks people out. Cause I want to move. You know, in one of my classes, we were again in this, you know, the classes that I teach, like people were just like, I'm freaking out that I can't move. And I'm like, but are you exploring the earth and the root systems? Are you, are you even conscious, you know, of that? So I think, you know, conversations with elementals, I mean, started when I was really young and that's why I'm really at ease with them. You know, I think the first time that's really kind of seared in my brain. I was like four years old. Um, and because my dad then retold the story over and over, look at what my kid did, you know? <laughs> and it was a conversation with rain and a conversation with those elements because it was pouring rain. And I wanted to go to, to like the, the fair. <laughs> and I was like, come on, you know? And I literally was just singing rain, rain, go away over and over and praying and, and doing other stuff. And it, and then, but and then there was negotiation. I remember like, okay, between these hours and this, and this hours, this, because this needs this and this needs this. And I was like, okay, cool. Give me like a two hour gap. I'm good. Right. I don't need it all. And so I think that's another part of the conversation is to be in a space, right. As you, you know, you and I are in that, that bridge space is it acknowledges many conversations, right? You know, everyone's like, Oh, have you gotten struck by lightning? Did you get the name like that? I'm like, I mean, I have almost a few times. I electrocuted myself many times as a child, you know, but it's more like I'm, I'm comfortable not being the biggest thing in the room. I'm comfortable with, wow, lightning is, is an inter and lightning and thunder, they're interactions. They don't happen at that same time. There's a give and a take. So even those names show nothing of steadiness, nothing of the answer. It's always an interaction. So I think that's what it is. I know that I am you know, as many of my teachers teach, you know, humility in the indigenous way. I'm no greater or lesser than any being, any creature. If I recognize my sovereignty, I can recognize the sovereignty of everyone. That means my days could be filled with more conversations than if I just got my way all the time, right? They're a little slower than I sometimes like, you know, um, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, I, I learn to listen. And that's in the listening is where I'm also allowed to speak. So it's the call and the response. I think that's how you hold it and having a strong body, strong mind, you know, and being trained, being trained from so young, um, diligently, um, allows, allows me, I think to, to, to contemplate it you know, not just hold it, to contemplate it, to, to learn about it, those names, to learn about what that means, because there's nothing steady, it will continue to change and grow as I evolve, you know, and I think people just, again, want the answer, or like, want the name. Yeah, and want it, I mean, I think that 
the story of when you were young and that awareness of I can talk to the rain and that it's not a monologue of me telling the rain what I want. It's a dialogue and that the rain has agency. The rain has purpose. The rain has things that it's doing. Yeah. And right there is indigenous mind. Yep. And do you find that when you work with Westerners that it's challenging for people to break that kind of power over, I want it now, I want it the way I want it? Yeah, you know, I think that if I had to like, you know, piece, you know, tear everything apart, the the one thing, the, the number one thing that keeps Western culture from truly um, understanding or even beginning beginning to contemplate, not even understanding, beginning to contemplate an indigenous way of being is value. Because in indigenous worlds and teachings, you are born with value. You are a creature of mother earth. You have value. You have nothing to prove. You can then being in that consciousness, that true humility, no greater or lesser than understand that everything is a dialogue. And as you learn and contribute, everyone is part of that. I keep telling my students these days when Western, you know, the memes, Western, now they're now, now our words are memes, you know, like, you know, when you healed your, your family heals. I go, the reason that that meme is so popular right? And has been usurped by a lot of kind of new age is because what they don't understand is that when you healed, you were in a ceremony, everyone was there with you. And they healed by witnessing. You don't heal alone and in isolation. So I think knowing that you're born and you have value and part of that value is being a part of a community that is not human centric is the huge difference. Western culture, right? Because of you know, colonialism that has happened since a long time. I mean, the Romans perfected it, right? So everyone has been colonized and the colonized mindset is to really, you know, be able to create value and you create value by simplifying things and by devaluing people and never having them be enough. So it's, it's that program. And, you know, I, I, I like to have big conversations. Right. And so I don't like just looking like, Oh, colonization, like who is the person? I'm like, what an interesting energy. What an really fascinating energy. And what are we calling? What were the names that people called it, you know, throughout history, right? What, what, everything here is trying to live. Uh, Every virus cell organism program, whatever you want to call it is learning and is trying to, survive. And so I just, I look at these things that we call fear or anger, you know, emotions or, and I'm like, how interesting. Who's running that one? Who thought of that one? That's a really interesting way. And how is it being manifested? How are we talking about it? You know, how are we marketing these things these days, you know? And so for me, it's again, and it's probably because I, I've been hanging out with elementals for a long time, (laughs) That's where I go to, to have those conversations. And I was trained as a warrior. So being trained as a warrior, you look at the war, not the singular war. You look at all of it, of all planes in sight, right? Someone somewhere, something, some energy, 
is hungry because we're all hungry. So how are they surviving? And I think having a relationship with animals and plants and understanding nature, you can then have those conversations, right? Instead of these very like has to derivative conversations, right? So. Yeah, I was just talking to a a group today about the, just this idea that there's there's a lot more going on in the energetic realm than just humans and just animals. Like there's a lot of energies floating about. Yeah. And oh, yeah. to have that awareness, not out of fear, but out of curiosity, that you're, like you said, everything wants to eat. Yeah. Everything's feeding on other things. And when we start to really be able to step back and look at, okay, where are the places that we're eating fear or that other things are eating our fear? That's where I get really like, whoo. Okay. So how do we honor that there are things that are eating fear? There are things that are pushing fear. And there's also places inside of us that we get to learn how to be warriors. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think it would be interesting. I'd love to hear, because you, you've been trained as well. I would kind of want us to play, if possible, say curious, why not? With that definition of warrior, because we see it a lot and people kind of have this very Western idea. So I'd love your kind of feels into, you know, warrior, warriorship. What is that really for you? I mean, you wrote books on it, so. yeah and I was definitely deeply trained in that warrior mindset and heart so for me that word like I love the word so much because it is a state of heightened awareness and connection Mm. to the flow of life and the flow of death to the flow of energy through all things Mm -hmm. and it's an understanding that we're not separate from that flow Mm. that we can't control that flow but we can work with that flow Mm. and so built into that warrior is humility is incredible patience deep perseverance good sense of humor because you gotta have that oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that place, like you shared, like we are not the biggest being around. And when you really get that, that their force is so much larger than we're so puny. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's also a deep warrior practice of, of erasing our personal importance, erasing the places that we've made our, we put ourselves above Mm -hmm. or the places we put ourselves below. Mm-hmm. Because we tend to, you know, bind, we're so binary. Like either I'm better than or I'm worse than. Mm-hmm. Either I have self importance or I have self effacement. It's like we're all, all of it. And the warrior, I'll say the last thing that I'll say is that the warrior, I think, has that inherent value that's not mm-hmm. about better than or worse than. It's just mm-hmm. there's this meeting life as life. Mm-hmm. And learning through everything, learning how to talk to the elements and the seasons and the animals and the rocks and everything is your teacher. Everything becomes your teacher. There's nothing that's left out. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. No wonder. How about no wonder. for you? Yeah. Warriorship. You know, I think it's, um, it's a prayer, you know, it's, it's a way of living a prayer of, of, and that means that you are again, just one part of it. Um, I loved what you said. And it, and I think it's also, it's not about winning, you know, so many people are like, what did you want? I'm going to win now, you know, or I'm safe, right? The wound of safety and security. That's so big. You know, it's like, it's not about that, you know? Um, and I think, you know, understanding the different kinds of warriorships uh, and different traditions of it that we see, you know, humans are fascinated by war. They love it. They don't want to admit it, but they love it. They actually love being at odds. And until we acknowledge that we are violent beings, then we can't really step into warriorship. That's being a soldier. Mm. That's not really being a warrior, right? When a 16-year-old kid rings the wrong doorbell and gets shot in the head, like, what is that about? So I think humanity doesn't even understand warriorship. They think so. They think it's blood, thirst, revenge, protection, uh, individuality, not individuation. And so there's this concept of wanting that is beyond the binary, right? That is true transcendence. And I find it interesting. I love that your story started in India because um, actually it started in Asia and then went into Southeast Asia and then into India. And I was just uh, I was just on Instagram before I was talking to you. And I was seeing this, there's this um, international... Um, costume um, competition in India. And I was seeing one of the costumes and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? I mean, it was just, it was like a woman dressed as a creature, dressed as a woman, dressed as a, I was like, this is amazing, you know? And it just struck me of how just being able to have gods, right? Let's call them gods that shows so many facets of creativity, so many faces of who they are, allows us to sit, as you said, in a true warriorship state of knowing everything is just a reflection of the other. Yeah. And that there's multiple truths happening simultaneously, that there's multiple lifetimes, multiple perspectives, multiple everything happening simultaneously that our brain is never going to understand. Yeah, but that's awesome. Why does it need to understand it? It doesn't. I don't, I don't understand why we need to understand. Exactly. (laughs) I'm just like, why? Yeah. Yeah. So funny when I take, I'll take groups down to, um, to Mexico or different places. And for a while I was taking a group of people that were, scholars that were part of a university oh my gosh like the amount of work to just get that like stop thinking stop analyzing stop trying to figure it out like just be in the experience and that the transition of the I will this will make sense and then I'll be able to digest it 
versus this is never going to, it's never going to make sense logically. But I, I know from my experience, like when we really let go into that level of complexity, everything makes sense again. But it's not from the mind. It's your being. It's like plugs back into something so much greater. And what a relief to not have to figure it all out, to not have to know it all, to not have to control it all. <sighs> you know, it's it's every teacher that I've I've had always, and I ask this of my students as well, always say, you need to start again from scratch, you know. And I use the term, leave your wisdom at the door. And it scares people. But I say, isn't that amazing though? You don't have to know. Like you literally don't have to know. You can be okay with not knowing, right? And I think, again, just people are so afraid because we've created a culture that your value is based on what you know. Right. And, and people don't even take time to explore the creation of the culture, explore why we are where we are now. Right. And what were the energies, the interesting energies? I mean, I think the Pope finally, you know, admitted, you know, and apologized that Catholicism <laughs> was used <laughs> as a colonization standard. Right. Because they couldn't kill them enough. They had to scare them and colonize them with religion. And it's, it's, you know, to simplify, to simplify things so much so, and use fear as a tactic of not reaching your heaven, not reaching, and again, a state of not knowing. My heaven isn't the heaven, heaven quote, air quotes, right? Isn't the knowing, it's the unknowing. You know, I was just uh, teaching a class the other day. I was telling them, I said, look, just because I'm speaking words in English doesn't mean that my definition of them is the same as yours. So we have to take a moment. And I always tell people that come into my circles, like this is a cultural exchange. So when you're really quick to be like, oh, I know what you're saying. I'm like, I'm going to, I 99% is probably not, but I'm using a word that you're familiar so that you feel welcome. And now let's have a conversation of what it means. And I was talking about de-evolution as part of evolution. And people are like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, to devolve, you know, to go back to, to unmask, right? What we think is evolution where we are greater because there's this so much, this idea of evolution is to be better, a better form have we created a better form? Right. And so it's, you know, just having that conversation of de-evolution and, you know, I've used this, thank you for the salmon people. I know they keep showing up on my you know podcast, but the salmon people <laughs> really know about that. You know, they have a consciousness, a group consciousness where they're like, wow, if we're going to survive, we need to not just evolve, but de-evolve. We have to untrain even in our DNA system, how we're built. So we would see that as a de-evolution, right? Scientifically, probably, you know? And so I think we're, we're, there's just, again, I think the huge thing between, again, Western culture and, and indigenous culture isn't just value. It's the perception 
of time and space and possibility. You know, Western culture is built on a timeline, a straight line. You live, you die, you do things. Hopefully, you know, you have certificates and a nice paycheck and whatever, you know, 2.5 children. I don't, I don't know what it is. I I have no idea. Um, (laughs) And we walk in a circular way of being of cycles of the East and the South and the West and the North and the East and the South and the West and the North and the East and the South. And we're backwards, you know, forwards, right? There's no one, one way. And so circle just as a blueprint, right? Is very different from a line, right? It's actually restoring. It's restorative. It gives you energy. You can get stuck in it going around and around and around and around and around again, right? But that's, it's nature. So I think that's another huge difference is like teaching Westerners how to bend that timeline, right? Okay, take your beginning and your end and bend it. Now go around and around and around a few times and maybe you'll get dizzy enough that you'll you'll feel okay, euphoric enough that you, you'll let go of something. <laughs> yes. And to yeah. let go of the the identity and the grasping and the the no the known. Yeah. To be willing to be uncomfortable. Well, as someone who has started over multiple times you Mm. have literally and figuratively in your life in terms of working with different spiritual teachers i'm sure you've had many different types of lives in this one life of starting over how would you counsel someone who had the idea the word that popped into my head is this is this idea that used to be used very derogatory derogatory which was going native (laughs) And it was like, you're going native, you're going back to the wild. And it was a negative thing. And now there's this like, yes, we want to go native. We want to have indigenous minds. But what I've seen is that many of us don't have any idea what that actually is. And so there's taking on the, the shell, what I would call the shell of indigenous thinking, the, the, the costume, the costumes. Yeah. The accoutrement of like, okay, I'm going to, but not being willing to go into the depth of it because, because it's scary and it's unknown and it's, it's not comfortable. And so how would you counsel or how do you counsel people around how to let go of the shell, which looks pretty? I mean, I laugh sometimes. I was just talking to a friend of mine. I'm like, I could do really well in my life if I just said, hi, I'm da-da-da. Like if I just played the game. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I can't, I don't want to, I'd rather like, yeah, I, I would rather dismantle everything over and over and over again. And I think that's what we need to learn how to do is to dismantle rather than creating. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny that you said that I did put on a ribbon shirt for you, you know, I for, love so, it. It's so I would look indigenous, you know, <laughs> in case we had any question, just in case, you know, um, <laughs> Because I said the same as I was like, wow, if I dressed more like this, you know, and showed up, you know, maybe. But anyways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything is relationship. Everything is relationship. 
And so to come from a culture that you see relationships as transactional, very US, right? I remember watching a, a YouTube or something of a Russian uh, person describing the difference between Russian relationships and American relationships and how American relationships were very surface. What can I get out of you? Can I use your name, drop your name to advance, right? Versus Russian is like, I don't care what you look like, right? And this is them, not me, right? Are we going to survive together? <laughs> you know, kind of more like that. Like, what do you, you bake the bread? I have the potatoes, right? And I don't care. Like, you know, if we have a disagreement, if stuff happens, like we're going to get through this together. Where American culture, consumerist culture is you're never enough. And so since you're never enough, you don't want to be attached to anything. And I think there's a really false idea of freedom and sovereignty in the United States. You know, I think it was the, I don't know if it was the Declaration of Independence or it was the, I think it was, an, I did a podcast on it and it was talking about um, how when they were talking about this right to freedom, it was about being in a relationship, actually being in gratitude, right? Per, the pursuing, the, you know, pursuing your freedom and pursuing all of that stuff. It was, was actually from gratitude. And gratitude is a form of relationship where you recognize the other. And there's a lot of people doing gratitude prayers, the fake it till you make it. Well, what are you, what are you trying to make? They're trying to make themselves, right? Humans are human centric. Indigenous people are not human centric. People struggle in my classes because I'm I tell them, like, I am not human centric. I'm not. You met me as a person and you told me a story about a human and like a cat and a dog. I'm like, I might actually go more cat, dog, animal, mountain over the human. I would probably support them more. And so that's really hard. You know, I think it's really hard for Westerners to, to be in good relation because they have been taught that good relationship is this and this. And then I get my freedom. All our freedoms are being taken away anyways. I mean, <laughs> rolling back row versus everything, right? If you're a good person, you show up, you play your role, you know, even though if you're loud and you speak your mind, like if, you know, you can fight for your freedom, for your sovereignty, and then you'll be safe. And the, the reality is no, because it can be taken away. And so if you stop relying, right, on churches and governments and whatever to tell you who you are and that you're safe number one we're never gonna be safe we live in nature <laughs> we're gonna die <laughs> you know so i think that's the hard part you know confronting their humanity and what humans are truly capable of you know i tell my students unless you have met yourself and your capacity to kill someone or something you haven't even begun to explore your humanity because they're so concerned of being people I've had so many people ask me the same question that you asked me. Well, how do we do it, Marita? And then they spend the next, you know, 30 minutes telling me how, what a good person they are. <laughs> <laughs> not that not a resume. Yeah. It's not a resume. I don't need yes. your resume of the good things that you have done. I don't care. I mean, and we have different value systems. So what you think is good, I might not consider good, you know, but does that mean I devalue you? No. 
So again, I think it's a culture and I think people are not used to dealing with cultures and being out of culture of not knowing. And they struggle with that. They struggle with that. And they struggle being wrong and they struggle getting it wrong, you know, because then they're, they go into shame. Right. And so it's, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. I once had, I once had a gentleman <laughs> tell me, write me this really like tirade of an email. I was just like, Oh my God. And he, he was like, you are not a kind person. You don't have a good heart. I was like, okay. And he was like, I've sat in many circles what it means to have a kind heart. And I was like, and then he referred to something and he was like, I was being vulnerable. And I said something. And I said, I said something to the effect within the conversation to many people, someone who was a a student of mine, they were just kind of passing through. And I was like, remember nothing's binary in these circles and kind of called them on it. And they're like, well, you used the feminine for cacao. I go, yeah. And then I used masculine. Like it's a they, them, right? I mean, my, again, the words that I say, even though you think are in a binary cisgendered white society, I mean, the last time I checked boxes to go to anywhere, none of those are included on mine. So I don't exist there. I don't, I don't understand you. I don't, I don't understand you. And you have to, and I have to be okay with that. So I'm going to make, the effort to understand you so that we can speak a common language and the effort is not made the other way. Mm, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we're holding that place of my culture is superior, this is the dominant culture, whether that's around humans or around America or around whatever, then that gives us the, the belief of, well, I don't have to listen. You get to listen to my worldview, which is correct, but yours is not. And how do we break that apart where I love that you're sharing about this idea of like, let ourselves be in relationship with different cultures, whether that culture is the, you know, the, I have lilacs outside. I'm looking at my lilacs right now. I'm like, hi, I talk to everything, right? Hi, lilacs. Mm -hmm. Like they have a culture. There's a whole wisdom within this, right? And that willingness to learn how to listen to that everything has something to share and to teach. And I remember, I wish there was, I'm sure there's a version of this. Um, There's a book called The Myth of Human Supremacy by Mm. uh, Derek Jensen, I think is his name. And it's, I mean, I cried through most of the book because some of the descriptions of like what he does is he very systematically like we say humans mm. are better because we think, well, here's how. And then you like look at bacteria and you're like, holy shit, they're way more intelligent than us on that level. And he just yeah. systematically goes through all the myths that we have. Yeah. Um, but he's also really pissed off. So I don't really recommend the book because the level of his anger is so high that <laughs> it's hard to read. <laughs> yeah. Hate humans, and here's yeah. another reason why. And I'm like, can we just strip this out to just be like in the wonder and awe that we are so wrong? Yeah, that we're supreme yeah. in anything. Yeah, and can we yeah. let ourselves listen to? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's hard. You know, I think it's that challenge, and 
I think, you know, even holding a book written in rage and anger is hard to allow for, you know, because you're not allowed your own rage and anger, mm-hmm. you know, and anger is really powerful. I mean, anger is activating and powerful if you know how to walk with it and learn from it instead of it having hijack you all the time. Right. And that's the thing is now people think that these emotions are things, you know, I do believe in the Buddhist, you know, they come and they go and not attach, but I want to have a conversation with them. Right. I want to be like, okay, who are you really? You keep showing up as anger, but what are you? Oh, your grief. Oh, wow. Okay. Grief. I'm so afraid to talk to you. Who are you really? Oh, I am this. I am this. Because again, everything has many faces. And because we're so, we need things so simply that even elements and creatures and emotions have to show up as like, you know, a Sesame Street program for us to even pay attention to. Yeah. And that brings us, us back around to the, the idea of everything is relationships. Everything is relational, including with our emotions, including with our fears, including with the plants and the mountains. And that then opens a window into possibility. Yeah. And if you can start there with your own universe, you know, mentally, emotionally, biologically, you know. I have students have been with me for a long time and they're like, well, what do we do now? Do now? I go, do you know yourself? Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, literally, do you know like how your body functions, like your moods, like when you're hangry, like, do you understand everything about you? No. Well then go, go ask yourself. <laughs> right? exactly. Go figure it out. <laughs> go have those conversations. Can I ask you a question? I'm, I'm really curious yeah. because, you know, um, uh, even though you've traveled the world and been in so many cultures, you do live in the United States and you look like an American, you know? So how do you, you know, how do you present, you know, how is it that you are able to be that part of the bridge and hold that? And, and, and I mean, I can see it, you know, I can see it in you, you know? Um, but how do you find yourself having those conversations that you're not just, you know, Nancy from Idaho or something? You know? Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was in college, I went to Nicaragua when the um, mm. Sandinistas were, had just been expelled, basically. And we went down to mm. bring medical supplies and to just be there. And when I got to that land, my whole being was like, I'm, I'm moving here. I'm not, I don't want to be with these Americans. I don't like them. They're not my people. I don't belong there. I belong here. I believe on this land. I will die on this land. I mean, I was so like, this is my place. And I know if I have had been in Asia at that moment, I would have been saying the same thing. And I went back to the States. I was really, really, really shy. And we were asked to do a presentation about our trip and the, and I was like just helping in the background. Um, I was probably 22 and the projector broke and somebody said to me, go up there and talk to the people mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, I don't know. No. What happened that in that day was I went up and I talked from my heart and I got a really clear message from the divine that was like, these are your people, sweetheart. You have, they need you. You have to stay here mm-hmm. to bridge. And I was like, no, don't make me. And I still feel like that much of the time, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a mission mm-hmm. to be one of those bridge people. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I live in New Mexico. It's barely America. I mean, I much more Mexico than America, which is why I love it. People are like, why do you live there? Because it's rough. And I love it because people are relational. People are connected to the land. People have been here for centuries um, and are connected. And so yeah, I I'm always in dialogue with like Mama, can I just go into the wildness and like not do this mission? It's always been no. <laughs> so I just trust and I show up and I do my best and and always try to, yeah, I guess that's it. Just do my best and stay connected as much as I can. And it's hard. It's hard being in this culture. It's hard with all the pulls and the the fracture and the separation and the violence and um, and what's happening right now. It's like it's devastating. And I've been taught, and I know the importance of not turning away mm-hmm. and continuing to turn and say, "Okay, how do I be in service in the midst of this? How do I stay steady? How do I not get hopeless?" How do I stay connected to, there's much, you know, the human experience when we're able, I know for myself, when I'm able to just remember, this has always been happening. Humans are fascinated with violence and war and separation. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot more going on. How do I stay connected to that? Yeah. 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 I I remember one day just having a moment, um, the polar bear crisis really gets to me. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. I just can't, you know, and I just had this moment, you know, when people were asking me, like, how are you dealing with all the nostalgia, you know, and the, the, I said, you know what, I think I'm here to witness. It's not the first time I've done this this way. I've been in this position ago before, you know, and uh, the importance of witnessing. Right. And it's not something that's taught in Western culture, right? It's because you got to do something, you know, you got to be the example and to just witness and not just let someone live their life cycle. You know, I, um, I wrote about it once on Facebook and someone was like, well, can I ask you a question? And already had the answer. And I was like, someone was like, I don't think you got what the post was. They're like, don't be low vibe. I was like, I'm just going to leave this. I Yeah. Witnessing means you just allow, and we practice that in all my circles of just like people are at will ask, I just need to be witnessed. Right. Or if they ask, I need help. I need someone to reflect. And by practicing witnessing, I think it allows us to not stretch beyond what we're supposed to and fix Mm -hmm. everything because we're not going to, we can't, we're not here to save the world. 
we're here to witness. We're here to witness and be as aligned, as resolved as we can be. Even though that could be, I'm resolved to be unresolved, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That's so, so powerful. Mm. And I think that's an interesting thing of, of white people that we tend to have a very short memory span, <laughs> you know, of like, oh my gosh, this weird thing is happening. It's only affected me. It's like, look through the eyes of slave, you know, people whose ancestors were slaves who were taken from their, like, this has always happened. Look at the genocide of the indigenous people. Look at like, so that place of recognizing we don't have to fix, we can't fix. We can let our hearts break. Mm -hmm. We can let ourselves love more deeply. Mm -hmm. And it's so perfect. Like, yes. And we can learn how to witness to bear witness, to show up. Yeah. Thank you for that. That is so, so powerful. Beautiful. Yeah. Not easy. Mm. <laughs> but um, yeah. might be easier than being a mountain though. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Now that is interesting. I love when you said that. Now that is interesting. Be a mountain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I'm so just, my heart is so full having this connection with you and sharing your wisdom and your insights and knowing that you are one that is holding the lightning and calling in with the thunder and that... You're one of the beautiful witnesses of all and such a healer. So thank you for all the beautiful work that you do, Marita. And oh, thank you. That you are. Yeah. Thank you for being a part of the bridge. We're all different parts of it. And we need everyone to be their part. And I think it's easier to try not to be your part and be someone else's part. And so I think it's, I'm witnessing you. And how you are holding your sovereignty, your true warriorship, and a goddess of land, I would say, because I can, you are land. Thank you for being that. Thank you. Mm. Yes. you enjoyed this episode don't forget to like subscribe and share it with a fellow warrior goddess if you felt fully empowered and inspired by what you heard today we want to know about it you can share your feedback by leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcasts we thank you for your support it's the fastest way to fuel the revolution to learn more about the warrior goddess revolution and other warrior goddess offerings visit us at www.warriorgoddess.com